Well, good morning again. It's so good to have uh, just faces in the crowd. I love seeing you here, and uh, I know we have some first-time guests. If Again, if it is your first time, I would love to meet you after service, but then for some of you, this is your first time back with us. I'd love to give you an air hug or an air high five, you know, whatever works for you. You know, it's so good seeing so many of you starting to come back, and we know everyone is coming back at their own pace. Everyone is in a different place uh, on, on how they're processing through, and including my own family. Um, and so, you know, it's a unique time in history, but we're so thrilled that you're here. Open up your Bibles, Colossians chapter 2. We're going to get there in a minute, and then I'm, before we even get there, I'm going to share a life verse with you, but we are, we're in such a unique season in history and a unique time and the truth is uh, you were born for such a time as this I just want I want you to know that and um, that what God is doing what's what's so amazing that that really just kind of is sobering to wrap my mind around is that my children but definitely my grandchildren will be learning about the things that we're experiencing within society and culture and and with all the injustice and the and the and and the things that are happening but then even before that with COVID-19 and shelter in place and so much going on and you know we're in this series this is week two of discover your design and and I really think it's important because what we're going to unpack is again helping you understand how God why you and how he designed you and there's this unique way in which he he did so and it's it's in this that we really are all discovering we're discovering more about ourselves we're discovering about how uh you know we really engage and can make a difference in how god wired us and how he designed us and so that's so important and so as we look at this i thought about a verse that really uh, you know, I did youth ministry for a long time, and I always came back to this verse. I think part of it was because it's a life verse for me because of what God spoke to me about my own personal identity. But then in helping young people discover their identity in Christ, I always came back to this. And it's Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. It says, for we are his workmanship. Now, if you read in the, the NLT translation or the message translation, it says masterpiece. You're a masterpiece. Uh, remember that when you get up tomorrow morning and you look at yourself in the mirror first thing, you go, hey, that's a masterpiece. If I, I'm sure some of your hair early in the morning is a masterpiece, okay? You are a masterpiece in how God wired you, how he designed you, unique in how he created you. He says, you're created in Christ Jesus for what? For good works. So you're a masterpiece that was created for something. You're created for a good work that he actually prepared beforehand so you're a masterpiece he created you with a unique specific good work he designed you for but here's here's the catch and here's what we're going to learn to unpack today here's what we're going to grow in i'm growing in you're growing in we're going to grow in together that you would walk in them you see, it's one thing to be a masterpiece. It's another thing to understand. I'm a masterpiece and I have a God-given gift. It's another than to say, now the fulfillment of that is me walking that out. What, what does that look like? And, and this whole series about discovering, you know, what, what is my gift? Like, how do I discover that? How do I strengthen my gift? We're going to look today on how you strengthen your gift. But you may be still on that first part, like, well, what is my gift? Like, where do I find it at? Is, it, is, it, is there a special store I go to? Is there a special thing I need to do? And, and, and I'm going to help you with that here towards the end of the message but it really is about discovering this, that God has given you this unique gift. 
He wants you to discover it. He wants you to walk in it. And he wants you to leverage it to impact other people's lives. You see, that's the way in which he created us. That's how he designed us. And that's the goal in which he has. And that's the goal, really, for this series. And we talked about, in order to do this, we got to dig a little deeper. We got to dig. Things aren't always what they seem. And one of the ways we dig deeper is with assessments. Any of you into these personality assessments, right? You know, maybe you're into Myers-Briggs and you're an ENFJ or whatever it may be. And, or maybe you're into the DISC test, right? And, and I'm a high D, high I, which creates a unique combination because I like to have fun, but I'm also like drive, 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 go, 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 okay? Uh, maybe you're into the Enneagram, okay? I'm, I'm kind of trying to pick up on it. They, you know, some of the, the, some of those on the team are really into the Enneagram. Wendy is really into the Enneagram. I just get freaked out about all this, like the draw the lines and this, that, and the other, and, you know, wing this and wing that. I don't know. Apparently, I'm an eight, okay? And, and the team will tell me I'm an eight wing eight. I don't know if that's a good thing. I didn't know you could wing the same thing you are, but, you know, I don't, and an eight is a challenger, so I guess it's like challenge on challenge, which, so I'm like, okay, well, I want to learn. I want to assess, right? So I start reading, you know, the descriptions, and I felt real powerful about myself because they've got, like, different, you know, historical figures, right, that, that are, would be a, an eight, and so Winston Churchill and you know, Teddy Roosevelt and, and uh, just different great leaders and different people who made a difference. But you keep reading. The, the list is kind of long. And included in that list was then Fidel Castro and Saddam Hussein. And I wait, wait a minute. What are y'all trying to tell me about me? Like, hold on, you know. Like, you know, and so you've got strength finders. Maybe you're into strength finders. And, and so there's all these tests, these assessments. And the thing is, we take these assessments to try and understand a little bit more about our when in reality, the way they were created was really to understand how we interact with other people and to better understand other people. In fact, one of the tests that really was kind of the foundation for all these tests was called the Big Five. It's about your personalities, and it's been around since the early 90s. And, and so you have all these things, and, and the truth is, it's, it's crazy because we're not just simply one thing. We're so unique in how God wired us and, and how he made us. And, and you, you know this because you may look at yourself and go, God, man, what were you thinking? Sometimes when you look at the, your gifts and the way God wired you, sometimes your closest relationships, okay, or your spouse, you're going, God, what were you thinking? Well, God knew exactly what you needed, okay? And, and I shared with you like last week, Wendy, she's got the spiritual gift of piles, one pile and another pile. Another pile. I've got the spiritual gift to get rid of it. Anyone else like that? I'm like, get rid of that. Just get, 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 get. Okay? So, so I started thinking about that, and I broke it down. Okay? I got a little bit of an organizational gift. I wouldn't say, like, I'm, like, just this massively organization, uh, you know, organizational type of, like, mind. But, but I like a little order. Wendy, I'm like, okay, how do I see the, the benefit of that strength? She's sentimental. Right? She likes to, to keep things. She, she likes to keep things for a long time. And I remember we'd been married about three years, and, and I, we had moved a couple of times, and there was this coffin. Not really a coffin, but it was as big as, it was like a plastic tote. It was like what you put like Christmas trees in. And I said, baby, what's inside this thing? She's like, oh, that's my keepsakes. That's just code for junk. That's all that is. I said, boo, if you can tell me one thing inside this, you can have the whole thing. 
If you can't, I'm getting rid of it. You'll never know. You won't miss because you, you don't even know what's in there. And sure enough, she couldn't. I got rid of it. But she had like, she had like gum wrappers from her second grade teacher. They were like, oh, that's Miss Schwanson, and she's just so kind. And I kid you not, in Wendy's defense, she's like friends with Miss Schwanson on Facebook. I don't even remember who like my teacher my senior year was, much less my second grade teacher. But she's sentimental. You see, we're all different. And the benefit of that is when we're different and we understand our gifts and we understand the gifts of other people and we appreciate them, we recognize that we have blind spots. We all have blind spots. You don't know what you don't know. Okay? And in fact, psychologists have, have really studied this aspect of our life and it's actually called cognitive bias. And cognitive bias is essentially a, a way of thinking that is fueled by a couple of different factors that causes you to perceive or see things in a unique way and sometimes in an incorrect way. So sometimes your cognitive bias could be fueled by uh, lack of attention, like you, you're not able to, to dial into something. It could be uh, motives, perhaps sometimes wrong motives. It could be uh, the experiences you have, the feelings that, that you have, whatever it may be. It creates a, a cognitive bias that you have towards things and towards situations. And, and it's in those moments that in turn you also create preconceived ideas. It's like mental shortcuts. It's like predictive text in your own mind. That's kind of what's transpiring. And they, they say, psychologists say there's about 200, you know, cognitive bias. We all have them, whether you realize it or not. Now, I'm not saying you have all 200 of them, okay? Maybe some of you have a little more than others, okay? But we have them, and one of the ones that I know I have that I've had to work on is the fundamental uh, attribution error. What is that? It sounds real busy and sounds real big. And, and basically what that is, is I'm going to judge you on your character and your actions, but I want you, okay, I want you, or, or really what I'm going to do is I'm going to excuse myself based on my circumstances. So I want you to recognize that. Let me break it down for you. I'm going to give you an example. Can I be transparent with you? Is that good? Your pastor's transparent with you, okay? I don't have road rage, but I may need some help, okay? Like, I don't know about you, but I get real impatient when, like, traffic started to pick up. I don't know if you've noticed that. I've noticed that because I got somewhere to go, and apparently all the people in front of me have nowhere to go, and they're taking their time. I don't know what they were doing. They need to go back to shelter in place because it was real nice when I get from point A to point B real quickly, Okay? Now, that's one thing, but the other aspect of that is when I pull up to a red light, and we're sitting at that red light, and I'm the next car behind that red light, and that thing turns green, and I'm eyeballing that light, and it's green, and that person doesn't move right when it turns green, and you know what they're doing, because what's happening? Their head's down. What are they looking at? Oh, it happens to you, too. They're looking at their phone, and so, you know, I mean, I'm Christ-like, so I try not to be rude. I don't give the, meh, you know, I just kind of give the, boop, boop. Yeah, just kind of just subtle, gentle, like, Jesus loves you, boop, boop, you know, whatever it may be, you know. But sometimes, you know, my hand slips, boop, 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 let's go. What are you doing? You're on your phone, you're distracted, I got somewhere to go. We're going to miss the light. I'm the second car in line, I'm not going to miss the light, okay. But I get, I just, I, I need, Jesus help me, Lord, okay, I'm just being transparent. But here's what happens, the roles reversed, I'm in the front and, and maybe Wendy sends me an important text. I don't take any consideration what that person may be going through. I, I'm just assuming they're texting because they're distracted. But I'm in that position. Maybe Wendy sent me an important text, or I just got an important call, or I just got some really difficult news via a phone call or via a text. 
or maybe via an email that just came in and normally maybe I would wait but because of the context of what it is I pick it up and I read it and I miss the light and so all of a sudden they honk at me and I'm like oh I'm sorry I'm sorry I just got an important I excuse myself in missing that light turning green based on my circumstances you see we all do it and that's just one small example But the truth is, if I'm going to work through that, we've got to grow. And if we're going to grow, we've got to begin to evaluate where we're at and discover more about who we are, how God wired us, designed us, and why we do what we do. Here's here's the goal, because the truth is, I want to be able to help you understand your gifts in a different way. And I want to give you clarity on how to strengthen your gift. I, I mentioned strength finders. You see, strength finders is a unique assessment. Because what it does is it doesn't just simply help you see how you view the world. It really is how you respond to people and how they view the world. In fact, those who wrote the book actually said this. They said, it really is more an evaluation of your weaknesses than your strengths and how you interact with other people. But they said, most people wouldn't buy a book that said weakness finders. So they named it strength finders. I was like, well, that's pretty brilliant, you know. But you're learning how to see, and so I want to be able to help you over the next few minutes just go, hey, how how do you really discover this? How do you look at this? How do you grow in this? How do you gain greater measure of clarity, and how do you look at your gifts perhaps in a different way? Look at Colossians chapter 2. We're going to pick up in verse 6, and the church in Colossae was was founded by Paul's friend Epaphras, who who actually was saved in, in Ephesus. So when we read Ephesians chapter 2, that was the church context he was, he was saved in, right? And so here he is, and Paul's writing from prison, likely with the help of Timothy. And the church at the time is wrestling. They're navigating some challenging situations, much like we are in the world today. They're navigating uh, some, some false teachers that have come in and things that ha- have been said and done. And Paul is going, hey, hey, let me bring it back to the main thing. I want to bring it back to the supremacy of Jesus. All that other stuff, I get it. It's important. We're going to listen. But at the end of the day, Jesus is Lord. I'm going to bring it back to Jesus. That's what we're going to bring it back to. And so we pick up in verse 6 of chapter 2. And it says, So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him. So the same way you receive Jesus as Lord and Savior is the same way you live out the gifts that God gave you. What do you mean by that, Pastor Chris? What he's saying, live your lives in Him. That's the same thing. There's this active, and I want you to think about that, this, this aspect of activity. This active part that you play in operating in the gifts that God has given you, okay, and the way in which he designed you. It's the same thing that Paul was saying in Ephesians 2 when he said, I created you for a good work, now I need you to actively walk in them. Walk it out. There's a gift. And I want you to, for some of you in here, I want you to understand, because I'm going to unpack this in a little bit, in in a little more practical way, but you have a vocation, and you're having a hard time connecting your vocation to your gifting. You're having a hard time going, how does my gifting play out in my vocation? And so the Lord wants you to be able to see that and recognize that because you add something, and it's how you live this out. It really is how you live this out. So he says, verse 7, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. So there's this aspect, there's this ongoing, I want you to recognize, rooted, built, strengthened, overflowing, 
It's this ongoing process. God establishes it, but it's ongoing. So this is not a one and done, I discover my strength, and then boom, I move on. This is an ongoing, I discover, and then I develop, and I strengthen the gift that God has given me. But watch what happens here in verse 8. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world, rather than on Christ. What's he saying? It's almost like a play on words. Paul's saying, I am in prison, but for some of you, you're in prison in your own mind. You're in prison in your own mind because either one, you've bought in to this, this uh, false doctrine, okay, and, and in this false teaching, but you also are in prison in this element, in the, with these elemental spiritual forces, Meaning this, there's this wrong thought pattern that you have in how you see yourself and how you see your gifts. And it becomes a trap and you trap yourself into not seeing yourself properly. I, I'm going to give you an example. Here, here's a few ways and a few harmful perspectives that lead to some harmful thoughts. First is this, I can choose my gift. I can choose my gift. That is not entirely accurate because I've told you before, I feel like, listen, I can sing. I, I got a little touch on my life. I feel like there's a little something in me. I can sing. I can add to. I, can, I can't really sing. But that doesn't keep me from those moments. There was one time, I, I kid you not, some of you maybe were at our Keller campus at the time. It was probably about three Christmases ago. And, and we, had a, we had a choir for, for, for Christmas candlelight communion. Well, I like a choir, but the choir had robes. When you've got robes in your choir, you take it up a whole nother level. I'm down for that. Now, we've had about 15 services at this point, and I said, look, last service, I'm going to join the choir. No way, Pastor Chris. I said, I'm joining the choir. I Why do I have to sit always? Can I be a part? I want to worship. I want to lead people into God's glory. So I get up there, and I got my white robe on, and boy, I'm in the choir. Pastor Ron's kids are on the front row laughing. I'm just worshiping. And afterwards, I get down, and I'm like, Pastor Chris, I didn't know you knew how to sing. I said, I don't know how to sing, but I know how to worship. And I'm like, man, we thought you were singing. Well, I was just up there, just, Lord, I love you. Can I tell you something? I can't define my own gift. And, and look, there's a lot of well-meaning parents that are going, you can be anything. Mm -mm. That's why American Idol became famous, because there are a lot of parents telling their kids they could sing, and them kids showed up. You watch that show, you know, they can't sing. You can't be any, can I tell you something? You can't be anything you want to be, but you can be everything God designed you to be. So we got to discover, we got to press in, we got to learn. Here's another lie. No one sees my gifts. No one sees my gifts. They don't recognize what my gifts are, and, and, and no one's noticing or taking notice or this. I have no gifts. That's probably the biggest lie of them all. I have no gifts whatsoever. Not true. God wired you and designed you for a good work that he gave you ahead of time. Or I have no opportunities for my gifts. You see, I, I'm, a, I'm a visual learner. Maybe this will help you a little bit. This, this helped me. You see, I want to break down for you. Those lies will, will keep you and put you in a position of having this harmful thought pattern when it comes to your gifts and the part that you play and the part that God plays. You see, those are the two parts at play here. So, so let me break it down for you. Let me show it to you this way. There's God's part, which are the gifts and the opportunities. God gives gifts. Why did he give you the gifts that he gave you? I don't know. 
Why did he not give you other gifts that you wish you had? I don't know, but you can ask him. When you see him one day, God, why didn't you give me, you know, the ability to sing? I know what he'll probably tell me. he say, son, you did a lot of work working through pride in your life. If you could sing, you'd be super prideful. I don't know. Been any. I'm like, yes, Lord, you're probably right, you know. I, I don't know, but he gave you a unique gift. He gave you a unique gift. And then he gives you opportunities. And what happens is when we start looking at what other people do, and we start looking at what we do, and we start looking at opportunities, and we maybe measure ourselves by the, the ability or inability when it comes to age. Look, Josiah had an opportunity to be king at eight years old. Moses didn't walk into what God called him to do until he was 80. You may be in here today and go, man, I'm 50 years old. My best days are already gone. Can I tell you something? The best part of your life may just be starting at 50 because that's what it was for Moses. Moses. It doesn't matter by age. Joseph, he, hey, you're going to rule over it all. Well, he thought it was going to look one way, but that brother went to the pit before he ever went to the palace. He was falsely accused and thrown into prison. And so what happens is God's part is, hey, I'm going to give you a gift and then I'm going to give you an opportunity. Will you make the most of it? Will you be patient until that opportunity comes? That's the other thing for some of you in here. You need to be patient until that opportunity comes. You are more like Moses than you are like Josiah. You look at your life. Your life is not my life. Your story is not my story. Neither is yours compared to anyone else's. And you're looking at someone that they were elevated at an early age and an early point. And you're going, what about me? And God's going, your opportunity's coming. Just let me keep working on you because it'll be here. That's God's part. But here's our part. Because there's a part that we have to actively play. We have to actively participate in. And first is your attitude. What's your attitude towards it? What's your attitude towards your gift? Are you grateful for your gift? Are you thankful? Are you overflowing? Remember, you're rooted, you're built, you're strengthened, and you're overflowing with gratitude. When's the last time? You're like, God, thank you for making me the way you did. It doesn't mean there's not rough edges that need smoothing out. And it doesn't mean that there's not a sanctification process that needs to happen. But when's the last time you had a good attitude and you were grateful about it? But here's the other thing. Is you're, you're responsible to steward because you need to develop your gift. That you've been entrusted with your gift and you need to develop that gift. you got to hone it. you got to grow. you got to get better. Okay? you you got to do what it takes to develop and grow the gift that God has given you. And so I, I want to give you just a few things in, in, in the next few minutes. I want to give you three real simple things. It's always three, never four. Four would be too many. Five would be, what are we doing? That's way too much. Okay, three. Three, I'm going to give you three simple things to help you find your lane. Because really, you want to know what this is? This is you finding your lane. This is you finding your lane. This is you going, man, okay, I'm on this road called life, and I see everyone, and you keep wanting to be in other people's lanes and swerving over. You need to find your lane, and you need to strengthen your gift. Well, here's the first way we do that. You use your gifts to serve others, not demand personal recognition. You're going, man, demand personal recognition. That's, that's, that's strong language. Well, let me, let me help you, and I'll break it down for you. First Peter chapter 4, verse 10. It says, each of you should use whatever gift, whatever gift, you have one, whatever it may be, stop looking at someone else and wishing you had that one, whatever gift you have received, use it to do what? Serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in various forms. You see, what happens is, God's going, I want you to get in the game and just use whatever gift you have. But here's where people get tripped up. 
that, that demanding of personal recognition is this, is you get tripped up when you find your value in your gift. If you find your value in your gift, you'll always feel the pressure to leverage your gift for personal recognition. Can I tell you something? You were loved and valued before you ever used your gift. You were loved and valued before you ever discovered what your gift was, much less used it. Your gift is not your value. It's a tool to be used that God entrusted to you. As I said last week, the gifts God gives you are not for your own benefit. It's not like your birthday gift and your Christmas gift that you just get to keep it. It's a gift that you use to give away to be a blessing to serve other people. That is the point. But what happens is so many of us try to find our value in what we do. It's why 80% of people are unsatisfied with their job. It's because they're looking for their vocation to give them the value that only Jesus can give them. That's what happens. And so your values... Now, am I saying don't work hard? No, work hard. Am I saying don't take pride in your work? No, take pride in your work. Be excellent at what you do, but recognize your value is not tied to that. I had a, I, I had a, a friend of mine, a physician... He's a brilliant man. I mean, like, mad science. He called me this week. And he was like, will you just pray for me? And there was something going on. There was a situation that had happened. And he was discouraged. I had this, what I just told you is what I told him. And I prayed for him this week. Because he wants to be excellent. He wants to do what he does. I mean, he's a, he's a brilliant surgeon. And because he wants to be at the best he can be, he was, he was upset because some things hadn't gone the way it had. And I said, your value is not, be excellent, work hard, but your value is not in whether or not that procedure went off without any bumps, without any complications or problems. Sometimes things just happen. Your value is not in what you do. And what happens is, that's another one of those bias, negativity bias. We, we always think to the negative. We always look at the negative. In fact, psychologists, it's called the rule of four. They say you need four positive interactions to override one negative one because we'll unintentionally gravitate towards that. But I want you to recognize and understand that your value is not found in your gifting. And when you recognize that, you take the pressure off yourself to try and perform and you're able to just simply be who God has called you to be. The fulfillment will never come from the applause of others. It's when you take the gift that God gave you and you serve others. And I want to I help you. Because what happens, I had a, com a conversation with a businessman that was transitioning work. He had always been in sales. I said, and he's good at what he does. I said, why do you love sales? Because the thought would be, well, I'm in sales. I need to transition to sales. I said, why do you love sales? Well, because I love helping people. Okay. Well, uh, and why do you love helping people? Because I love helping them solve their problems and seeing how, you know, I can help make something work out for them. I said, okay, so what I hear you saying is that you really enjoy helping people. Well, can I tell you something? There are far more vocations other than sales that will allow you to exercise the gift. The reason you like that is because that's how God wired you. You enjoy doing that aspect, solving problems for people. And so it helped him see, okay, there's a different way. And the gift God gave me is to serve others. Here's the second thing. Is that you listen to and value the gifts of others, not speak to be heard. If I'm going to strengthen my gift, i got to do a lot more listening. I can't help people I won't listen to. I can't help people that I won't listen to. So i got to stop a minute. i got to slow down and i got to listen. I've shared with you before how I've had to work on that. Strength finders, one of my strengths in my strength finders is activator. 
Here's a way to put that. It's very easy for me to put task over people. I'm going to activate you. Now I'm excited and I'm enthusiastic and, and I can be encouraging. So I'll make you feel real good about it. And I'll, I'll say, hey, we're having fun. But at the end of the day, I'm going, hey, I want you to get from here to there. Now go. And I'll unintentionally put task over people. Well, what happens is, as I've shared with you before, that meant that I wasn't always listening. I was hearing what you're saying, waiting for you to be quiet so that I can tell you what I think about what you're saying. I'm not actually listening to you. So now when I meet, if I've ever had a conversation with you, I'll say this, and I'll use this tool that I used probably about 10, 11 years ago. It's called active listening. What is active listening? Active listening is I'm going to concentrate. I'm going to understand Right? I'm going to listen to understand. I'm going to respond and I'm going to remember. So I'll use this phrase often. What I hear you saying is, and then I fill in the blank. Because what am I doing? I'm saying, when I stop to listen and recognize your gift, and I'm hearing where you're coming from, I'm saying, I care. And what I'm then doing is I'm putting value on your gift. Well, you're going, well, Pastor Chris, how does that strengthen my gift if I'm listening to someone else and valuing? Because we're part of a body. We're part of a team. Some of you saw it just a little while ago. Okay? I'm in the zone. I'm dialed up. A little break in the song. We're doing awesome. We went from one song to the other. It's like the tag or something. That's what we call it, you know, in the, you know, I don't know what we call it. It's whatever. That's what they say. We went to a different song. Well, I just heard the break. You know what I did? Some of y'all saw me. What did I do? I started walking around like, oh, time to go. Tommy's like, you want to know why? Because we're a team. Because the only reason I end up here at the right time is because Tommy's standing next to me going, time to go, Pastor Chris, because there's times where I forget and I'm supposed to be up there. And there's times where I come up here a little too early and he's going, slow down. Hold up. Because we're all better together. I strengthen it when I stop and listen and I recognize the gift you are. We complement one another. Bill Russell, great basketball player, amazing athlete, 11-time uh, NBA champion. Two of those was while he was a player coach. Talk about unique. Okay, he player coach, five-time MVP, civil rights activist, has put his hand to so many things. He said this about relationships and team. He said a great teammate is someone who wakes up every day asking, how can I make my teammate better? You strengthen your gift when you stop and listen and recognize and appreciate the gifts of other people. But then here's the third thing. I told you I was going to help you with this. You're hearing all this, and you're going, well, Pastor Chris, I mean, I, I hear you. I want to strengthen my gift, but how do I, I still don't know, like, what, is there a special, like, gift store? Like, do I go to the gift store? Like, is that where I get my gift at? Like, where do I find it? Well, uh, how, do I, how do I find it? Where does it come from? Here, here's how I want to help you be able to discover your gift. How do you know that something in you is a gift? Your gift, applied effectively, will benefit other people. Your gift, your ability it will benefit because you're, you're administrative or you're organized or, or, or you're creative. It benefits other people. It's a blessing. But here's the other thing. And it makes you feel strong. Your gift and your strength is not just something you're good at. Because here's the thing. There are things that you're good at that if you never did them another day in your life, you, you wouldn't be, I mean, it wouldn't come too soon. Just because you're good at something doesn't mean that it's your gift or it's a strength. Your gift and your strength is something that gives you fulfillment. And so you begin to discover those things and you begin to look, but here's what happens. If you focus on your weakness, 
Because here's what it is, and, and I may not have given you number three. I may have jumped past it a little too quickly. Here's the thing. Build on your strengths, not on your weakness, because that's the other part of it. Build on your strengths, not on your weakness. Because if you focus, just so... Now, I'm not saying you're not uh, contemplative, you're receptive. I'm not saying that you don't have weaknesses or you don't acknowledge them. You do. But if you build on your weakness, here's what happens. Is if you focus on that, you, you resent yourself. And then what begins to happen is you start becoming introspective and you get discouraged and you just go, man, forget it. I'm not going to get in the game. But then what, uh, what, what happens is then you start looking to other people. And if you focus on someone else's strength, you spend most of your days wishing you were someone else rather than embracing who God wired and designed you to be. God has a specific gift for you. He wired you in a unique way. And when we overflow with gratitude, when we're, when we're rooted and built up and strengthened and overflowing, then what happens is we begin to walk in the fullness of the unique strengths and gifts that God gave us. That's where you find momentum. That's where you find your highest possible ceiling. That's when you have increased motivation, and that's what I want for you. So my prayer for you, I want, I want, I want to pray for you because I want you to know you're not just in this alone. They go, oh, Pastor Chris, that's great. Thanks for that. That was good. Now let's, you know, now what? No, no, no. There's this discovering process. There's a part that God plays. He gives the gifts and he gives the opportunities, but there's a part you play. Perhaps your attitude about your gifts needs to change and, and you need to spend more time developing your gift rather than comparing yourself to other people and wishing you had other people's gifts. But maybe you're in here today and you're going, man, the same way that I receive a gift is the same way I receive Jesus, but I've, I've yet to really fully receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And I want to receive him in that way so that in turn I can receive the gifts, discover, and then develop those gifts in the way he's called me to.